Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. So excited to bring in you the word today. Um, I was uh, talking to my mum recently about uh, who impacted me as a young person, as a younger person, uh, and she said a name which I was very surprised about, but on reflection it wasn't untrue. Uh, She said, Mr. Golubek. Now, Mr. Golubek was my middle school PE teacher. He was an older gentleman. He wore um, a matching Adidas tracksuit that was two sizes too big for him. Had a thick Polish accent. Uh, and was one of the kindest people that I've ever met. Uh, And one day I was talking to him because I was the kind of student that asked teachers how they were going and what was happening on their weekends. Uh, And in one of these conversations, he said, Pieta, what do you want to learn? What do you wanna wanna get good at? What skill do you wanna hone in here? He was absolutely expecting me to say, dribbling uh, in soccer or my serve in badminton. I did not. I said backflip. I want to learn how to do a (laughs) backflip. And he looked at me and said, okay, let's do it. Thursday lunchtimes, come to the gym and I will teach you how to do a backflip. I am now married to a teacher and I have many teacher friends uh, and I understand the sacredness that is a teacher's lunch break. And this man gave up one lunchtime a week for an entire term to teach me how to do a backflip. Uh, Something so inane, um, but the level of investment in me was incredible. Now, uh, 15 years later, I'm working in a lawyer's office, and I hear a voice in the room next door. And I'm like, don't jump to conclusions, just a Polish accent. Uh, Lo and behold, a minute later, in walks Mr. Golubek. Uh, I I am acutely aware that over the span of a teaching career, uh, teachers will have hundreds and hundreds of students. So I'm fully prepared to reintroduce myself to Mr. Golubek and say hello to him uh, when he turns to me. And before I could say anything, he says, Pieta, how are you? I've missed you. I had the same reaction. (laughs) Um, And it was in that moment that I realized the level of investment and love this man showed me for that season of my life and how important that was for me. Now, we've all heard the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, currently raising a child. This is true. At least four people have grabbed my child from going up the stage or walking out the door already today. Um, uh, But it also takes a village to raise a disciple. Uh, Now, recently, I have had the privilege of being invited into some family's devotional time. Uh, I have sat on the pit's lounge room floor and done a devotion on creation with their boys. I have been with the little kids as they've taught their kids how to recite Psalm 23 off by heart, which has been so special. And this has uh, influenced and molded me in how I'm going to and how I am discipling my child. Uh, But Tom and I are not the only ones who are raising Bellamy in the faith and discipling her. 
Uh, and this is important, the significance of impacting future generations because we see this time and time again across scripture. Uh, we see this interplay of generational impacts that faith has in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 1.1 reads, the words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests of Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. Uh, now, on first glance, Hilkiah is not mentioned in the rest of the book of Jeremiah. So you might uh, think that this is just a reminder of the paternal heritage that is often laid out at the start of books of the Bible. But looking at the timing and the cultural context of what was happening, we can be fairly certain that this Hilkiah is the same Hilkiah that is spoken about in 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings. Uh, now, in these passages, in 2 Chronicles and 2 Kings, we see um, a priest during the reign of King Josiah named Hilkiah. Uh, and he was placed, uh, looking into his character, he was a man of upstanding character. He had a zeal for the Lord. He was placed at the right hand of King Josiah. Uh, and one day, uh, Hilkiah is in the temple of the Lord, doing some upkeep, and he stumbles across a book. And this book is the book of the law that was handed down to Moses. Uh, now this, was, uh, this book had been lost for almost 50 years. I personally find it hilarious that this is something so important, the book of the law was lost and found in the temple of the Lord. Uh, <laughs> this is true. Um, so, uh, it, and uh, so Hilkiah took the book of the law, he took it to King Josiah, and then was subsequently instrumental in the re-sanctifying of Judah through destroying idols and calling out idolatrous priests who were contradicting the book of the law. Hilkiah was very important. And can you imagine growing up in Hilkiah's household as Hilkiah is your father? The influence um, Jeremiah would have had from his father would have been massive and the pressure on him to abide in God's holiness. But Hilkiah doesn't have a book of the Bible written about him. Jeremiah does. So Hilkiah trained Jeremiah to love and honour God and love and honour God's word. He, uh, he discipled Jeremiah into God's family and, to, and he was fit for the Lord to call as a prophet to the nation. Now, can you uh, imagine the people that you are raising or leading or investing in, can you imagine them becoming a prophet to the nation? So we see, uh, we do see this go wrong so many times in the Bible where the children of those in ministry turn out, uh, as one of my friends referred to it as ridiculous. <laughs> um, but what did Hilkiah do right? How did he get to this point? So your home needs to directly and unambiguously point back towards Jesus. I had um, someone uh, talk to me about this and saying, you need to create faith windows in your household. You need to create opportunities for your kids to see you living out your spiritual disciplines, so you love the Lord and serve the Lord, and they need to have opportunities to ask you about it. So don't wait until your kids go to bed to do your devotions. Don't only play Disney music in the car because it keeps them quiet. Play the worship music. 
So you need to create a space where your kids see you living out your faith and they have the opportunity to ask you about it and enter into that space with you. So going back to Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a prophet who was born in about 650 BC and his spiritual leadership helped his people survive catastrophes, including the capture of Jerusalem by the Babylonians and the exile of Judeans to Babylonia. Jeremiah was steadfast in his calling from the Lord and he consistently stood against the culture of time and reflected God's will back to his people. Jeremiah was not afraid of calling out people and and away from their wicked ways and dependence upon idols and false gods and turn them back towards God and God's calling on them. We see this in Jeremiah 5, 26, 28. Among my people are the wicked who lie in wait like men who snare birds and like those who set traps to catch people. Like cages full of birds, their houses are full of deceit. They have become rich and powerful and have grown fat and sleek. Their evil deeds have no limits. They do not seek justice. Uh, but Jeremiah did not, did not, was not always this confident in his calling. He did not start out this decisive. Uh, we see in Jeremiah 1.6, um, the Lord calls on him and he replies, Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But this did not stop God from using him. Uh, this connection is kind of like... Uh, uh, Del Curry, who plays uh, in the NBA, played in the NBA. I'm, I know nothing about NBA. This is me trying to be culturally relevant here. So, Del Curry, great uh, NBA player, uh, was considered one of the best pure shooters of his era. Uh, but Del had a son, and that son got good at basketball. He entered the league himself, and you guys have probably heard of Steph Curry. So Del, uh, and Steph Curry is considered possibly one of the best shooters of all time to have ever played. So Del Curry was a big deal. His son was an even bigger deal. Hilkiah was a big deal. Jeremiah was an even bigger deal. Uh, now, from what we can tell, Jeremiah didn't have kids of his own but he impacted generations and generations of people. And he bore, Mary, he bore many spiritual children, including Daniel uh, and his friends. In chapter nine of the book of Daniel, we see Daniel reading the scroll of the prophet Jeremiah, uh, and he realizes that their time of captivity was coming to an end. At this point, Daniel was 85 years old. The godly, faithful work and example of Jeremiah informed and guided Daniel throughout his entire lifetime. So uh, these relationships, Hilkiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, highlight the importance of paternal influence and guidance, uh, parental, sorry, not paternal, also paternal and maternal, parental influence on on us, but also highlights the importance of non-parental figures in our lives. So parents, I ask you today, are you being a Hilkiah? Are you being careful to train your children in God's ways and in God's words? And are you living out your life in such a way that your children can see his presence and his priority in your life? Uh, And those without children, are you being a Jeremiah? Are you uh, setting a godly example for those around you? And are you being present with God in such a way that your your life reflects 
Jesus? And are you loving those around you that God has entrusted you with? Now, you might feel ill-equipped in both of these situations. And I was talking uh, to a friend recently uh, and she shared some advice with me that was given to her by a psychologist. She said, uh, in order to raise a fully functioning human being, you only need to get it right 30% of the time. Yeah. (laughs) As a parent, I receive that. (laughs) Um, So I know that every single person in this room can love, can lead, can show up, can parent, can disciple right 30% of the time. And that's all we need. So are you prepared to invest in those around you? Not for the point of just investing in them, but to invest in them so that they become better than you are. Are you prepared to invest all that you are and all that you have to ensure that God's goodness flourishes in those around you? Steph Ty in a sermon recently said that the hardest thing about raising up a courageous leader is that they become a courageous leader. And something big happens and they are called out. They are called elsewhere to the capital C church. So are you prepared for this? Are you prepared to put aside your own ambitions, your own personal small ambitions for God's ambition? Because the reality is, is that if we do not invest in the next generation, and we do not impact them in a godly way, they may drop out. Research done by Dr. Cara Powell and Brad Griffin for their book on Sticky Faith noted that as many as 50% of kids who graduate youth group fail to stick with their faith post-school. 50%. Now, uh, 30 to 60% of them will come back to church in their late 20s, But this 50% that initially drops out is highly preventable and unnecessary. Church, we need to be investing in those around them. This is the reality of what will happen if we don't. But if we do intentionally invest and show up for the next generation, we are building up a generation who is confident in who God is and who God is calling them to be. Uh, halfway through the interview that I had for uh, my current role as Generations Pastor, uh, I was the kids coordinator at the time, and halfway through my interview, I realized I could not go back to being the kids coordinator. I was no longer the most qualified or gifted person for the job. Yes, I was called into this uh, for a season, but I was no longer the most equipped to do this. Uh, uh, Now, I have been able to see the fruits of investing in Emma who was my second at the time. Uh, And she is so much more gifted and has created a far richer kids ministry than I ever could have. I helped raise up a courageous leader, but now I get to see my child benefit from it. Uh, Now you might not have recognized this intentional investment in you at the time, because we often don't when we're in it, but think about who showed up for you, who was present in your life when you needed it. But more importantly, who can you show up for? Who is God placing on your life that you can intentionally invest in? Uh, Now I'm gonna invite the band back up. Uh, 
and I'm gonna give everyone uh, some time now. I want you to write down someone's name. I want you to actually write down someone that you can be intentionally investing in. And I want you to pray for them five times this week. And then I want you to create an action point. Now this could be sending them an encouraging message. It could be uh, catching up for coffee with them. It could be showing up for how they need you to show up in this next fortnight. And I want you to be intentional about this. It doesn't have to be some big action. And this could be someone that's already in your sphere of influence that you can just more intentionally invest in. So I'm gonna pray now for God to drop a name on your heart of someone who you can be investing in and bringing up. Because it takes a village to raise a disciple. So church, let's be the village. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your presence in this space. Thank you for how you have anointed each and every one of us and equipped us to raise up and invest in and lead the next generation, Lord. I pray that you will speak to every single person here tonight, that we will leave here feeling refreshed and excited and on fire for you and all that you have, the plans that you have in this generation and the next and the next, Lord. We are a future-focused church. As we keep our eyes on you, lead us in your ways. Drop a name on our hearts right now. Show us where you need us to step out in courage and in faith here this week. In Jesus' name, amen.